episode 114. Whole lot of shaking going on. I'm Bob Keckeisen, and you're listening to the September 8th, 2010 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. Come on over, baby, whole lot of shaking going on. Yeah, come on over, baby. Maybe you can go wrong. Hey ladies, are you tired of spending hours at the gym when you'd rather be watching TV or napping? Would you like to feel refreshed, alive, glowing, and stimulated? Then the Walton Belt Vibrator is the machine for you. In the 1960s and 70s, many people were convinced that they could exercise without moving a muscle by strapping themselves into belt vibrators like the one we have in our collection. Join Museum Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman and me as we take a look at a belt exerciser that promised results while the user read, watched television, or even took a nap. And then, August 25th is Rachel Ray's birthday, so we thought we'd give the best birthday present anyone could ask for by connecting the iconic American chef and TV personality to our favorite Kansan, William Allen White. So, is that what SAGE in the SAGE of Emporia stands for? Find out when we play... Six Degrees of William Allen White. But first, whole lot of shaking going on. Good morning, Michaela. Good morning, Bob. Okay, well, today we're talking about what I think is kind of a scary-looking <laughs> exercise machine from the 1960s. So could you describe it to our listeners? Sure. It's, um, it's kind of a... Kind of a waist high machine, I guess, mm-hmm. if you stood beside it. It's got a flat base that's made out of metal, and then there's a rubber mat on top of that. There's an arm that extends from the top, and at the top of the arm, there's kind of there's a metal box, and attached to that metal box is a belt. And when you plug it in and turn it on, the box causes the belt to vibrate. So the model we have, you can take the belt off and reconfigure it so you can. Um, you can massage different parts of the body. Okay, so, so you, you would have stood on that rubber right. part of the platform and then put yeah. the belt around you. Yeah, okay. and typically what people who have seen this, mm-hmm. they imagine the people standing on it with it around their waist. Mm-hmm. But ours, you could actually you could sit in a chair and wrap it around your leg or wrap it around your wow. arm or on your face. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to do that. Okay, <laughs> It sounds yeah. painful and, and, yeah, so... It's it's is kind of a scary device. What, what color is it? Is it kind of a beige? It's kind of or? a yeah, an off-white yeah. color, okay. and it's got it's seen some wear and tear. So yeah. I think a lot of people got used out of this thing. <laughs> okay. Well, and I'll remind our listeners uh, that you can see an image of the belt exerciser by going to our website kshs.org. Just click on podcasts and or cool things. It will be in in either spot. Uh, now, this particular type of machine is from um, as we said the 1960s. So it's mm-hmm. just close to 50 years old now. But the idea behind the machine has been around a lot longer than that, right? That's right. About 100 years longer than that. Oh, okay. That. Wow. Yeah. Quite a bit. Uh, the first belt vibrators were um, developed in the 1850s. And actually, there was a Swedish phys- physician named Gustav Zander who developed a whole series of exercise machines, um, some active where you had to actually move your body to make them work. And if mm-hmm. you saw them in, in, 
the gym settings, like there's old photographs, they yeah. really resemble what you find in a gym today. So oh, really? okay. a lot of what we use today is based on what Dr. Zander came up with in the 1850s. Um, what you don't see so much in gyms anymore are the passive machines like this one, uh, probably because they really didn't do anything <laughs> to anybody. But the whole idea um, of his system was to rehab rehabilitate the sick. And the vibrating machines were part of the passive routine, of course, because um, the user really didn't have to do anything to make them work except stand or sit there. Um, they, the machines mimic the act of massage, which doctors thought was very important to good health. Um, the idea was you could relieve mental fatigue, carry toxins from the body, and improve circulation and muscle tone. Well, and this is probably about the time when everybody's thinking machines would be the exactly. best to do anything. You know, get, get exactly. it off of manual labor. You just sit there. Let the machine do the work. Exactly, right? yeah. Okay. And if you think about it, the necessity for these machines were kind of in the period of industrialization. And before this... People really didn't need exercise machines because you did physical labor. labor. And then all of a sudden you had, you know, if you think about farmers that have farm equipment to do it for them, suddenly they're not exercising quite as much as they were before. So it became more important for people like that to have some, some way to exercise the body. Well, and you, you mentioned that the machines are developed to mimic the actions of a massage. So right. this is sort of like having your own masseur, right? But it's just... Yeah. Yeah. You turn the switch and... And there you go. There you yeah, go. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it does seem kind of ridiculous because, yeah, you could just have a person perform massage. But doctors actually thought that mm -hmm. this method was better because it was um, more efficient, the machine didn't tire out, and mm -hmm. people who were using it um, felt that it was gentler and that they felt more invigorated after the massage. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, I got to say yeah. also, maybe they didn't like having strangers touching their body <laughs> for massage. I could totally yeah, believe really that. Say, hey, it's just me and my machine, I'm exactly, fine. Exactly, right? exactly. So. Well, were the machines ever marketed as weight loss tools? Uh, not, not exactly. Kind of indirectly they were okay. marketed for weight loss. Um, mostly they were advertised to improve muscle tone and remove toxins from the body. I like that, remove toxins. That just sounds yeah. refreshing. Doesn't Although I it, can't see how this would do it, but <laughs> so the way that's related to weight loss is mm -hmm. that you're vibrating. You know what's the body's biggest toxin? Fat. You're vibrating yeah. fat. The idea is it's going to loosen it, and the body can flush it away. Now, if it were that simple, wow, <laughs> yeah, no one would be overweight yeah, in the there'd world. There'd be no obesity. <laughs> <laughs> they also um, suggested that maybe. Uh, the machine improved muscle tone, and if you could improve muscle tone, then fleshier parts of the body wouldn't look so fleshy anymore. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's more a more solid base for the fleshy parts of your body, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I like hanging out with the right people, right? Yeah, Just yeah, exactly. Um, well, the... Um, I know these have been around for quite a while, and I don't know that there's any real... Um, current day manifestations of this, but have you ever used a machine like this? Well, I haven't. There are current day manifestations and mm -hmm. you see them on late night infomercials. There's the the shake weight, I shake think weight? Yeah. now. There's the ab belt that that they show it's like, you know, all massaging oh, yeah. the ab muscles. Um, which I don't believe for a minute that those people got those abs from that machine. No. <laughs> but um, there's also there's also a new system that apparently Madonna is using. So you know if Madonna's hey, using there it. You, go. you know. But the whole idea of it is um, a large vibrating plate that's like on the floor and then you stand and do your exercise on the plate which would make a little more sense than this because your body yeah. would be thrown off balance and your muscles would have to work or to keep balance while you're working out but still well, that'd be kind of like your own big electronic football yeah. game which <laughs> yeah, is exactly. one of the first podcasts we ever did <laughs> exactly. yeah, that'd be cool. so. yeah well so. actually i i have used one of these machines looking just like this uh back in the mid 1960s um 
I didn't particularly use it. I mean, I used it, but it wasn't for me. My sisters rented one of these, mm -hmm. which evidently was was kind of a big deal for a lot of uh, medical supply stores at the time. They, mm -hmm. Very few people bought these, but they would rent them. Right. And my sisters rented them. And I, I remember them like ha having this, this uh, belt like down around their hips, uh -huh. you know, their waist and shaking it. Well, yeah. you know, I was probably, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, something like mm -hmm. that. So my brother and I used to go back and mess around with it. You know, we'd strap it around our forehead. <laughs> Head, you know. So you were vibrating yeah. your face. Like, yeah, <laughs> put the dog in it, you know, whatever. It can. And, I mean, it's it's sort of like, you know, riding down a rough road or, you know. Yeah. You know it, I mean, it doesn't feel bad, but mm -hmm. I don't think it particularly did anything. And I, I don't think my sisters kept it more than a couple of weeks. But yeah. uh, Did you feel like you could nap while you were doing this? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I noticed that in one of them they said, you know, that you could you know, use it while reading or nap. I don't know how yeah. you would read because no, it would just yeah. shake the book. And <laughs> be, but, yeah, napping, I don't think so. But, uh, yeah. but I do remember um, – the the one my sisters had was um, a very bright pink, oh. and I think that was probably marketed, you know, to yeah. women to kind of say, oh, here, this is going to you know, yeah. help you with your uh, beauty regimen and everything. But uh, yeah, we thought it was a lot of fun, but we we thought it was more of a toy than an actual weight loss. Yeah, and, ours yeah. Uh, the user's manual, which if people go mm -hmm. on our website, they can see some excerpts from the user's manual. Mm -hmm. It's really. It's really funny because they have little illustrations of a woman using the machine in different poses, mm -hmm. and it just it looks awkward, you know. And I'm telling you right now, if I thought this would work, I would totally oh, yeah. cancel my gym membership. I would never go back there. <laughs> but I really, I think you just got to put in the work to make it happen. Well, and I also noticed uh, there's a section on our website that shows a. a bit of literature from the company and it says welcome to the wonderful world of exercise and it says your belt vibrator has been built to give you the finest appliance of its kind available with proper usage it will give you many years of trouble free trouble free pleasure and enjoyment so there's no claims whatsoever it's like if you use it right it'll last yeah but they don't really say what it's going to do yeah so. and it does say there's another part on the owner's manual that that says this is not intended for weight loss well, okay so right there um, just and this, this is a later model of this. Mm -hmm. um, earlier models, like um, one from 1958 said, mm -hmm. um, it speeded up motion of your tissues 3,200 times a minute that aids in fast, effective spot reduction that actually helps trim down the size of your, size of your measurements wherever it embarrasses you the most. Yeah. Which that. I think, you know, most most fitness experts today will tell you there's no such thing as targeted spot yes, reduction. spot reduction. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, just that, that little, you know, that, that, that uh, six-inch spot on the inside of my thigh. I want to get that done. Yeah, and really, if that's the only place you have a problem, um, yeah. lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, if these things really worked, I think you'd see them lots of places. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, anyway, well, uh, how did the museum acquire this particular belt exerciser? Well, similar to your sister's mm -hmm. renting one, this piece uh, was owned by the Hahn Rental and Sales in Emporia, okay. Kansas. And uh, their patrons rented them for $10 a month. Uh, when the business closed, which if they were really successful, you'd think the business would have been able to stay open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when the business closed, uh, they offered this model to the Historical Society, and it's been um, in the museum collection since 2002. Okay. Well, it's pretty intriguing. Um, and it, it seems like, you know, we mentioned late-night infomercials. It seems like if this were around now, it would be the perfect thing for a late-night infomercial. Oh, yeah. So uh, I guess my last question would be, what late-night infomercial item is a must-have for you? <laughs> I always get sucked into the cooking ones, like that, uh, okay. the bullet chopper thing. And uh, there's that lady who has, um, 
where you can like make a whole meal in one little tray where it's got the two heated oh, plates yeah. that go yeah, together. Oh, yeah, are great. Yeah, I, she was on TV when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I remember as a kid thinking, that's amazing. Yeah. And now as an adult, I look at it and I'm like, wow, you can make cake with candy in it in this little device? <laughs> and then an omelet? Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. that sucks me in. Yeah, I'm always uh, um, kind of taken in by the juicers, mm-hmm. you know, but then mm-hmm. I figure they never really show anyone cleaning one of them, yeah. you know, which is, yeah. I can't imagine after slamming all that stuff through there. Mm-hmm. But I am also kind of quite taken by the shake weight, which yeah. is yeah. kind of the same thing here. <laughs> and I've, I actually have never seen a shake weight infomercial. I just see Jon Stewart making fun of it on the yeah. Daily Show. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did a skit on Saturday Night Live about the shake, shake weight, weight, too. Completely inappropriate, but pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, thanks for coming in and telling us about the belt exerciser. Sure. Oh, hey, Rachel Ray, you're such a good cook. And I really like the way that you look. I bought a copy of one of your books. And now it's time for another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White. Joining Nikayla and me now is Public Information Officer Teresa Jenkins. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. Well, today's podcast falls on the birthday of American chef and TV personality Rachel Ray. And we can't think of a better way to celebrate anyone's birthday (laughs) than by connecting them to our favorite cans of William Allen White. So, Teresa, can you give us a little background on Rachel Ray? I would be happy to. Rachel Dominica Ray was born on August 25, 1968 in Glen Falls, New York, but her early years were spent in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where her family owned four restaurants. At the age of eight, Rachel and her family moved to upstate New York, where her mother managed several restaurants. She attended high school in Lake George, New York, and graduated from there in 1986. She attended Pace University, which makes me think salsa. in new york city for or in new york for a long time and then she moved to new york city in 1995 yeah i think pace has actually has like campuses in the city and like in westchester and places like that but uh, i was doing a little bit of looking on it because i don't really know that much about rachel ray and i can't find that she actually graduated from pace but they claim that she went to school there so Hmm. you know whatever she she graduated from the school of real life yeah i think so (laughs) And she makes more than any of us who have yeah, college so degrees, you so you know, who am I to judge? <laughs> One of Ray's first jobs in New York City was working at the candy counter at Macy's department store. She soon went on to manage their fresh foods department, and she moved back to upstate New York where she managed a restaurant and then became a buyer for a gourmet market in Albany. It was her experience working at the gourmet store that Ray credits with inspiring her to write her first bestseller, 30-Minute Meals. She said she met many people who were reluctant to cook, so she came up with the idea of meals in 30 minutes and began to teach classes about it. A local CBS TV affiliate took notice of her classes and asked Ray to appear on a weekly segment on their newscasts. The Today Show soon did a feature on her, and Ray landed her first contract with the Food Network in 2001. Can I just say that if I had somebody to do the prep work for me like she does, I might be able mm-hmm. to cook one of her meals in 30 minutes. <laughs> Otherwise, here, here. No, I can't. I mean, hour. Do it. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. also some critics that have looked at her book and said the quickest they've been able to fix a meal is 49 minutes because she doesn't figure the prep time into it. Yeah. All the stuff that's just ready to go. Yeah. Now, to her credit, she does yeah. say in many of her episodes. That the best thing to do when you get home from the market is to take all your fruits and veggies, wash them, and prepare them, and all that. But mm-hmm. honestly, after being in the aisles for an hour, <laughs> it's the last thing I yeah, want to do. Do you want to stand in the kitchen and chop stuff up? Also, she doesn't know that my dicing method not as <laughs> not as gifted as hers. 
<laughs> Instead of dice, it's more like and, chunks. Yeah, and hope I don't cut off a finger. <laughs> Well, Ray currently hosts the talk and lifestyle show named, appropriately enough, The Rachel Ray Show, because apparently she has copious amounts of spare time. (laughs) And she has also hosted three shows on the Food Network, 30-Minute Meals, Rachel Ray's Tasty Travels, my favorite, and $40 a day. She has authored numerous cookbooks as well as the magazine Every Day with Rachel Ray. And it seems like you can't be a celebrity chef these days without a catchphrase or two. (laughs) And so some of the catchphrases for which Rachel Ray is known are... Oh my gravy. EVOO, which stands for extra virgin olive oil, and her best known catchphrase, Yum O. In fact, Yum O is the name of Rachel Ray's nonprofit charity organization that helps raise funds for children and families to develop a healthy relationship with food. So, happy 42nd birthday, Rachel Ray. Yeah. There you go. Yum-o. <laughs> so, okay. So, thanks, Teresa, for letting us know about Rachel Ray. And, Nikayla, you have a solution. I do. And no is, brownies? I'm no sorry. Food. Sorry. No. All that dicing and slicing. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, well, I actually did read somewhere that, that she, doesn't she doesn't particularly like to bake yeah, because bake. you have to have more precise ingredients. Um, and she um, likes to cook with, like, Half a palm full of this yeah. and, and that a coffee cup splash of, of this. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work so well when you're baking cookies, or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. which may explain my problem because I like to bake. Uh-huh. So I just yeah. yeah, that's my thing. All right. Yeah. So Rachel Ray's birthday present: her connection to William Allen White. Woohoo! Okay. So on her talk show, Rachel Ray has interviewed many celebrities, among them Barbara Walters, who is, as we know, a world famous news anchor and host of The View. Well, in 1981, Walters interviewed actress Katherine Hepburn, and this interview was much ridiculed because Walters asked Hepburn what kind of tree she would be (laughs) if she were a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Early in her film career, uh, Katherine Hepburn starred in a movie called Morning Glory, and her co-star was Douglas Fairbanks Jr., who was the son of Douglas Fairbanks, who we know met oh. William Allen White in the 1920s. Oh, that's so. nice. a much more direct connection okay. than I would expect. Yeah, let me tell you, I was trying to find one that was, you know, not the usual mm-hmm. route we take, mm-hmm. and, man, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I finally got to the point, I was like, forget it, Douglas Fairbanks, Jr., <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> well, but I'm not sure we've used Catherine Hepburn in a while, though, no, so that's no, kind of yeah. that's, that's good. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, good solution. So, Teresa, would you like to issue the challenge for the next episode? Absolutely. Our next podcast will be on September 8th, which is the date in 1966 when Star Trek premiered on television. So we'd like you to live long and prosper and connect (laughs) with William Allen White, the creator of Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry. Yep. And this will make my wife happy because she's a big trekker. (laughs) So so if you think you can connect William Allen White with the man who gave us Captain James Tiberius Kirk, whose five-year mission included not only exploring the galaxy, but shamelessly bagging alien babes in tinfoil bikinis, (laughs) just send your solution to podcasts at kshs.org. That's podcasts with an S. Come on over, baby. Hold out a shaking going on. Yeah. That concludes episode 114. Whole lot of shaking going on. To see a photo of the belt exerciser, go to our website, kshs.org, and click on podcasts. Hey, here's an idea. The next time you're wasting time on Facebook, come on over and waste it with us. That's right, the Kansas Historical Society is on Facebook. Just type Kansas Historical Society in the Facebook search engine, and there we'll be. Or you can follow us on Twitter. We've got lots of cool stuff that we send out to our friends and followers, so be sure to check us out. 
And hey, talking about news, do we have some exciting news? Our next podcast episode marks the return of our regular and original host, Assistant Curator Merle Riedel. That's right, kids. After 15 months and 31 podcast episodes, Merle has returned safe and sound from his deployment to the Sinai Peninsula, and he's raring to get back to his hosting duties. So, come back in two weeks when museum curator Laurel Fritch joins Merle to examine an ice cream box from the dairy program at Kansas State University. Do they really make purple ice cream at K-State? Join us in two weeks to find out. This podcast has been a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Real people, real stories. Shaking, going on, easy, nice and shaking.